0: Winning season has officially returned and with the NCAA back in action, plenty of opportunities to win at my bookie, whether you're a season better or a first timer, my bookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks to claim your bonus, sign up and use promo code transfer on your first deposit. And you'll instantly double your money with my bookie. It's simple. $100 $100 deposit puts $200 in your account. You can use your funds to bet on as many individual games, contests, or props as you want. Bet on team win totals, predict the national championship winner, or use the MyBookie prop builder to give yourself the edge you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.
1: And we haven't even dove into, as Andrewster would say, the beaten potatoes of this week too. So what was the most surprising thing from this
0: Unreal weekend. Oh, I mean, I I wouldn't. I, I was waiting for somebody else to go first. I guess I am first. Um, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, BYU, you know, they're without their top two wide receivers, uh, Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. Those are two really big losses, and when you are tasked with having a Baylor team come into your house. You know it's going to be loud, and you know that you're going to have that crowd behind you, but when you don't have your your two best offensive options, when you're Jaron Hall, that makes the job infinitely more difficult. And I thought he played an outstanding game, and somebody who really stepped up who needs a gigantic pat on the back is Chase Roberts of BYU, played an absolutely stellar game, eight catches for 122, and a touchdown. And a touchdown throw. Oh, in a touchdown throw. I'm not a caught touchdown, that part he, of the game. Deep,
1: deep, On the trick play, he threw a touchdown throw to Sharon Hall. That was mm-hmm. a freshman
0: doing yeah, that. I mean like you don't you don't see freshmen called on to do that. So that really says something about Chase Roberts. So hats off to them. Um there was a lot from that game to unpack. I mean, holy cow.
1: Dive we'll into your... that later, but, yeah, what but earth yeah. holy I crap.
0: didn't know I didn't know that Pro Bowl games could get drunk like that. I mean, you never would have thought it. But yeah.
2: For me, my surprise was um maybe a homer pick, but I'm surprised how quickly Gary Patterson was able to transform is Texas defense because mm. last year it was bad. We couldn't tackle, couldn't cover. Um, it was a point where literally all you had to do was just run the ball. Eventually, you're gonna break one, and you're gonna you're gonna score because we can't we we can't we couldn't stop the run last year. I think it was four straight games teams ran for over 250 yards on us. It was bad, and we didn't really do any work in the transfer portal on defense. It's the same players out there pretty much all of them, but I mean, brought in Gary Patterson and they look really good against Alabama. So shout out to him. I was very surprised. I, I didn't see that coming. That this that quickly, I didn't see it coming.
3: Yeah. So much of defense is, is, just effort and culture. And and they really turn that around. You think about the Bo Davis ran on the bus last year and mm-hmm. looks like that's really getting built. So, yeah. Uh, for me, my biggest surprise would be Washington State going into Camp Randall and getting a win like that over Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin was in the top 20. And uh, the big thing that was really so impressive to me was uh, not just winning it, you know, going in, like maybe they slung it around with the the air raid or whatever. No, but they went in there and they they played Wisconsin ball. And they they got down and dirty and they played a, a Graham Mertz team. And they played Graham Mertz ugly and still came my way with the win. So, um, you know, if you're a Washington State fan, you got to be excited because, you know, Jake Dickert's the the coach now, and he's been there for, you know, three years on the defensive side. And uh, so it kind of makes sense that the defense is, you know, farther ahead than the offense, which, you know, switching from the run and shoot to the Eric Morris air raid. So uh, if you're thinking that the defense is where it is to go into Wisconsin and get a win like that, a physical tough win. Uh, and then that hopefully that the offense can come around during the season and continue to build with, with Cameron Ward, then, you know, and, and develop a little more uh, timing and chemistry and the, the more pliable defenses in the Pac-12. You have to kind of be really excited about this season if you're a Washington State fan. So,
1: yeah, a big a, win for them. It's a team that's only going to get better, and it's just kind of so funny to think that, you know, this is a game that some of us in the transfer portal CFB circled early, uh you know, in the in the middle of the summer or whatever. It was like, yeah, Cam Ward could lead them to, to a winner, and they could score enough. They scored 20 20, 20, 30, get it done. And then – Wazoo just did not look that good against Idaho. And we all kind of just like, as long as Camard balls out and competes in this game, like it'll be fun. They win it. They won that game. But, oh, it was just so crazy. I think Wisconsin only had 14 points and they only scored in the second quarter. And I mean, Dickard is, he's doing something there at Wazoo, man. And, and, And it's really good to see. Um, The most surprising thing to me, though, I kind of wanted to go a little under the radar or something I think is being very overlooked. Utah State, man. These are the defending Mountain West champions that have looked, how do you put this nicely? They've looked very UNLV-ish to start this season. (laughs) They struggled against UConn. (laughs) You get blasted by Alabama. Uh, We expect that, but Weber State, top 10 FCS team. Great team and everything. You don't let you don't let an in-state rival, uh, in-state rival like Weaver State, come into your building and beat you thirty-five to seven in the game in which they threw three interceptions. Why is that happening? Why are you only scoring seven points in the first quarter? This was a high-powered offense last year with a bad defense. Why was it your offense the reason? dropping the ball at home it's just bad man they threw four interceptions they couldn't pass the ball they couldn't run the ball their receivers were bad and it just doesn't add up to the amount of talent on this team i'm not sure i'm not sure what's going on uh last year was a dream season i'm getting some real indiana 2020 covid football vibes here man like they were an absolute (laughs) fluke last year and it's looking that way
2: still early
1: yeah, yeah it's it still around. early, but the, I, it's an inexcusable start to your season. It, it's just you don't you don't lose to an in-state FCS rival 35 to seven on your home turf. <laughs> I call them oh. UNLV-ish. They play UNLV next week, and is actually look like halfway decent, which Utah State has not. We'll move oh. on to the most disappointing thing from the weekend, and we'll go to Dan.
3: All right, I'm going here first. Uh, Jake got his time to rant. And uh, now it's my time because Eli Drinkwitz, man. Eli Drinkwitz, what is going on? Uh, my Tigers got stomped 40 to 12 there in the little apple. And honestly, it wasn't even that close. Uh, it was 14 to 3 before you could even blink. And that was before that uh, Missouri quarterback threw four interceptions in the second half. And, you know, Drinkwitz gets up and he does all the coach speak. I didn't have them prepared. That's on me. You know, we got to prepare better. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. It's year three, and you have tons of recruiting juice. They far outclass this Kansas State team in twenty four sevens talent composite rankings, and and they far outclassed you on the field. Uh, nothing, nothing on offense works for the Tigers. Nothing in the running game. Nothing in that horizontal passing game that Drinkwitz loves so much. Uh, nothing in the downfield passing game you can open. The quarterback run game was like, I don't know, like a four out of ten. Uh, but overall, the O-line was overwhelmed. Uh, Brady Cook was just not competitive. The running game was snuffed out at every turn. Uh, the wide receivers weren't getting open. Uh, you play in the SEC, right? You're going to have uh, a couple games a year where the contest is over at kickoff, right? Uh, you know, Georgia and Alabama when they show up on the schedule. And, but you can't be so disjointed and so schematically outmatched that you add more games to that total. Because you're already getting a couple with Georgia, and sometimes you know Florida and Tennessee when they're functional. Whoever you draw from the West, so you can't you can't be so prepared that you're adding more games out of the twelve where it's over at kickoff. This is this is season three right now for Drinkwitz, and no, he's not getting fired. Let me go ahead and say that he's not getting fired. <laughs> you <laughs> De- sure? uh, our, Yeah. Yes. You sound like the, you want to play. <laughs> <laughs> the the AD Desiree Reed Francois he understands that you can't just churn head coaches in Missouri. You have to build. It's a developmental program. You have to build that and uh, consistency it works. So other than like a scandal, he, he's not getting canned. but you have to see some proof of con- concept on the field. He's a so-called offensive uh, genius and all that. Like, like these guys like to say, like, you know, like your boy Jimbo too, but the, look at the best wins. Uh, you have over LSU team in the COVID year that, that, you know, probably wasn't that great. You know, we didn't know at the time um, over the Florida team that was collapsing last year. Uh, an Arkansas team in the COVID year over in Sam Pittman's first year, you know maybe maybe Central Michigan last year. I mean, there are not a lot of Hallmark wins in year three. A uh, close loss to Army. Hey, congrats, right? So, I mean, the the juice on the recruiting show is real. That Missouri hasn't seen recruiting like this ever, so uh, that's great. Um, and they did a really good job turning around the defense. It does look like they're 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 making strides on that side of the ball this year. So great, they're they're respectable there. But for a supposed offensive genius who calls his own plays and everything, there's no real offensive coordinator. It's just drink. That that side of the ball is it's off it's off the rails right now. So, um, you know, force him not to make an, an offensive coordinator higher this year because uh, you're not you're not churning the, the head coach program this quickly. So, um, drink what's man, get it together. Uh, shove you go to the side and hire a coordinator.
1: And yeah. hashtag get Luther Bird in the Rock.
3: Get Luther bird in the rock. He's all that and a bag of chips.
2: I will say it's, Kansas state is really good. I think they're going to be really good this year. It's no shame. They're good. They're, good.
3: they're strong. They have a great uh, running back. Um, uh, Really, really stout defense, but they, they don't, they're not a team that should walk on the field and outclass you from start to finish.
2: That's true.
0: Well, no, I mean, K-State's always played a really gritty brand of football. You know, they're, they're guys that will pull you close and then they'll pull one out at the end. But that, um, you know, like you said, uh, Mizzou's offense just looks pretty lifeless at the moment. And that's if not, we had lost uh, that's the not game good for like that, Eli Drinkwitz.
3: If we had lost a game like that where they pulled it out, I would have been um, frustrated. But say, hey, you know, this team is making strides. Tough loss. Great team uh, to come out and just get get beat from from gun to gun. No.
2: that, man.
1: E-V-I-S-C-E-R-A-T-E-D.
2: Very nice. Thank you.
0: um most disappointing thing for me um i wrote down everything that happened at kyle field but i want to get in a little bit more specifically i talked a little bit about haynes king at the onset of this podcast and um he might be one of the poorest quarterback iq guys that i have ever seen put on the maroon and white and i don't understand why he refuses he scrambles and just tries to throw on the run when he just doesn't quite have the ability to do that. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He, I don't know why he thinks he is. Sometimes he tries some things like that. And then I remember one place specifically in the fourth quarter yesterday where the line split the Cs parted and he, all he had to do was run straight up the middle for 15, 20 yards, maybe more. The dude's fast. I'll give him that dude's got wheels. But if you're not going to take those chances when they come to you and you let and you air the ball out and say, oh, screw it. Anaya Smith is up there somewhere or Evan Stewart or Chris Marshall or whoever. And then it doesn't work. And you keep doing that over and over again. You know, at some point, definition of insanity comes in. What are you doing, man? I mean, he's just he's not an SEC quarterback. And I feel like he's going to end up in the same category as Zach Calzada but I I don't think Haynes King ends up at an SEC school let alone a power five I don't think the power five is for Haynes King I don't think that he quite has the ability to run an offense I don't think that he has great communication with his line his running backs or even his receivers so um, you know I hate to say it Haynes King's a great guy but come on man I mean you've had plenty of time now to show it and you just don't have it you don't have that dog in you time for Max Johnson.
2: Yeah, when I when I watch him, he seems like the guy he he he'll throw the ball to the open receiver, but he won't throw a receiver open. So, if the receivers aren't getting good set, you don't have a, a lot of weapons or you're not severely outclassing your opponent, is is this is not going to be effective.
0: And you're and you're in an SEC school and at a school with as much talent around you, like you should be able to uplift that because as the quarterback, you are supposed to be the leader of that offense and you're supposed to uplift everybody around you. And when you're not able to do that, like I mentioned before, it's going to go around the whole team and everybody else is going to lose confidence. So something's got to change, as I said before, but you know what, I've had enough A&M talk for the day.
2: So. <laughs> um, oh, I'm just going to continue with quarterbacks and being horrible. Spencer Rattler. I I I don't know. He he we talked about him on our week two preview. And he was one of the people that I wanted to see him because he left Oklahoma to be the guy. We all we hear is that he's, you know, this he's he's really confident, he believes in himself, which which you should, you have to be in order to be a quarterback. I get that. He chose to go to South Carolina. It's not a lot of pressure on him. And he's still playing bad. Um, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't talent wise, you see all the talent there. Yeah, he can do everything. We've seen him do it. Where did it go? What happened? Uh, it's just it's just very disappointing.
1: It still just feels like the same old story that was there at Oklahoma, man. The maturity, but he's just overconfident too. He just thinks he's a whole lot better than he actually is. He has to come down to earth and figure it out. How embarrassed should I be that we have a video out there on our channel where I, I fought for him and his future in battle with Hendon Hooker? I am, uh. Like, that's out there. I, I now look like an idiot. Thanks, Spencer. Look, man, straight up. I never, I never was in on him at Oklahoma. I was never in on Spencer Rattler until he made this move. I thought this was the best career choice he's made. It could still be the best career choice he's made. But dude, you've got to figure it out and get Antoine Wells Jr. the ball because he is far and away the best player on your offense as an NFL receiver for years to come. He, I feel bad for Antoine. Like he's. He's not rotting away on that offense, but he's not gonna get the recognition that he deserves on that offense. He has had eight for 189 against Arkansas. Did you hear a peep about him all week, all weekend? Nope. Feel bad for him. Most disappointing thing to me, I gotta go to Palo Alto. I gotta go to Stanford. Look, I thought I thought from the jump, man, when that when those. The vibes, the vibes, upset show. Jake knows what's up. The vibes, man, they were screaming Stanford was going to compete. They they did. They lost. They lose 41-28. SC only had six second half points. Most disappointing thing to me, Stanford's red zone offense. They threw away the bag. They lose by 13. Let's talk about the failure to score inside the five. Interception on fourth and goal from the five on a little tip drill few plays before they had what looked like a touchdown ref says not touchdown completely disagree and then a few drives later fumble inside the five there's 14 points Pending the extra points, of course, but there's 14 points right there that you throw away with turnovers inside the five against an SC team and an offense that looks like they are playing on freshman difficulty. And I think it's really lame that Lincoln Riley's taking the easy way out and playing on freshman instead of Heisman. But I golly SC is disgusting. I'm not afraid to say it. But again, Stanford, Stanford threw that game away. They threw that game away early in the first half, uh, letting SC scored 35 in the first half, but Stanford's offense still was able to compete. SC's defense is Swiss cheese. SC, uh, Stanford just threw it away, man. Let's go to the player that most stood out to you, starring with you, Jake.
3: <laughs> Jake um, looks like his new most disappointing thing is something the Cowboys just did.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Dak Prescott might have just broken his hand, so that's uh, a... Uh, that's a that's a new development. It looks like he got yeah. caught on a hot mic saying it bro- it's broke, um, so you know we'll worry about that. But uh, I'm gonna was, go. I'm gonna I go. I was straight. enjoying
3: Liam's uh, Liam's ramp, but also watching you in the little corner. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Oh
0: man, man. Uh, going through it. Yep, can't have anything this weekend. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. My man, Cam people or Cam Peoples. Uh, right. I mean, Chris we talked. Reportable. Yep. We, we talked about him earlier. Dude's been through a lot of adversity and to see him really just explode in front of a national audience, getting this much recognition. I mean, he was really the bus driver for, you know, that offense yesterday. I mean, dude was able to run pretty much freely and do whatever he wanted to with the football and against an a defense, which supposedly was supposed to be, you know, this really talented defensive line. Yeah, it's young, but he ran right through it and you don't see guys play like that that often against an sec team as a group of five players so you know hats off to him i mean absolutely incredible game for him Mm -hmm. um i was just so surprised by you know how he was able to uh, run with the football such a mature guy with the ball and uh You know, just again, uh, I'm I'm happy for him that he was able to uh, really show out in front of a national spotlight because I think the dude really does have a future in the league.
1: Yeah, and before we go to Adam real quick, if I could just you know say share something about Cam. Well, we had him on before before last season. You know, he was talking to us and he went into life without football and what that was like for him and how he was just having to work out back in his hometown, small town in Alabama. And he's just out there working out in, in his yard and just and grinding and and recovering from his torn ACL and figuring things out just with a few a few uh you know tools or whatever and just making whatever he can making whatever he needs to do work. All this hard work is paying off for him. Like he is one of the great guys in the sport. There are so many great men in the sport not just on the field but off it i have one heck of a kid man and and i i truly hope that this game helps helps get him drafted into the nfl one day and secure the bag for him and his family because uh, he's one of the guys that deserves it most
0: yeah so
2: yeah, great guy.
0: shout out shout out. Camp peoples uh really stood out i think to the whole country this weekend and uh if you haven't heard the name before, you heard it now. So can people remember the name? All right.
2: I remember um we were I was I was in I was in a bar. Obviously it's Texas and Alabama fans there. When he broke that run at the end, everybody, I'm 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 just talking to my friends. Everybody just starts screaming at the screen. I, I turn around and I see him sprinting down the side. I was like, oh my gosh.
0: That I'm is so upset he stepped I, that out. That is that is where yeah. I left the game, was at that. <laughs> was at
1: that time when, to, i am not one to like react like that or like it, you know exclaim you know watching a game i usually just sit there and i'm like golly when cam did that i i legit did yell like what on he put that man straight into the <laughs> ground with that stiff arm i knew he was capable of it but in the moment to ice the game like that i was just so just you know, surprise, not surprised, but just elated and proud of him and everything, and was just like, all the hard work has paid off. Like that, that clip there, that clip's going to be in App State history for some time. Mm-hmm. That stiff arm is filthy, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't know this, but for five minutes, he united Texas and Alabama. <laughs> We were friends for a little bit. My player that stood out, I'm going to choose J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. I don't think you can have played a, a more perfect game. Granted, it versus Hawaii, you know, they have a lot of issues right now. But um, I just think that he he needs to be the guy for Michigan. Um, it, uh, offers just seems to just go smoother with him out there. So I chose him. I think, what was he, 11 for 12? with three touchdowns four touchdowns i mean just efficient smooth he makes it look easy flicks the ball i'm going jj mccarthy
3: and they said he's he's starting now that he took that job so
2: yeah as he should
3: yeah uh i'm going to uh two guys two just a guys kind of quarterbacks like you think about Couch you there's know, maybe 15 quarterbacks each year that are true superstars, reliable week in and week out. There's 15 guys that you don't want on the field if they're your quarterback, unfortunately. There's 100 a, a guys there in the middle that could go either way, week in and week out, you know? And uh, two that really kind of stepped up and, and wins. One would be Chance Nolan out there in uh, Oregon State, getting two big Mountain West wins. Uh, I think they're the favorite now in the Mountain West after they beat Fresno and uh okay all right bad joke I guess that didn't
2: uh, oh all right <clears throat> okay
3: I'm just gonna have to wear that one uh no so, no say it uh, again say it again say no, it again nope nope we're going right into my second choice which would be uh TJ Finley at Auburn who threw a really really bad pick against San Jose State and you know they the maybe a little bubbling quarterback controversy that then Finley came back and I think he went uh nine of ten after the pick ten of eleven something like that and no, not a not the you know a win you're gonna remember for the ages, of San Jose State. But uh, to to bounce back after a, a tough play down there, the you know rock bottom, and uh, mm. come back and play well, seal the win, get a touchdown there. Uh, so T.J. Finley and uh, Chance Nolan, good job.
1: Auburn now the favorite to win the Mountain West. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm just so numb to that after BYU fans all last year saying they won the Pac-12. Like, <laughs> mm. no, those jokes just kind of. I'm kind of off that, but uh, dude, another friend of the transfer portal. I'm and Andrew, fortunate to speak with him a few times. Derek Parrish, you could make the argument that he was the best player on a field this weekend. You're talking about 12 pressures, 10 tackles, five tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and four sacks against Texas Tech. This is a big 12 O line that he went up against. I don't care if they're not the best O line or anything, I don't care about any of that. You're doing that. You're repping Sac Avenue like that. You deserve all the praise in the world. Can I just mention, too, the fact that the week of the UTSA game? So, you know, two weeks ago now, he got hand surgery. He's playing with a giant club on his hand and he's doing this. He has been one of the most impressive players in the country this far. And I'll just say it straight up. I, I had not think of him in this way. I had not think he was this elite of a talent at edge rusher. He has truly been one of the most impressive players, far by far in the country. What he's doing is unreal. Even though he might not have accumulated these stats against UTSA, he still crushed it against that offensive line. It was a very good, sturdy offensive line. He's gang the pressures and everything. Derek Prayers is dominating, man. He is dominating.
2: Yeah, love him. Um, great guy too, great person. Um, couldn't get the win, but he did play amazing. And he had that big play against UTSA when he didn't get the sack, but he forced the interception. You know, um sack Av. You know, sack Av. Like
1: they deserve (laughs) to win that game, man. Like it's not his fault though. It's not his fault. That guy, I I can't say enough good things about what he did this week. is truly tremendous, and Hey, man, y'all want to talk about the old fun belt real quick?
2: <laughs> what a week
1: for what them. Huh? What a week. Oh, so Jake will sit this one out, but what a week <laughs> for the fun belt. Dan, say it with me, man.
3: Sunbelt is the best league for college football in the Southeast portion of these United States. In the country. When we did said, our conf-
1: when we did our conference previews, why do you think the first conference I said I want to preview was the Sunbelt? There is reason for that. And Dan and I talked about this in the Sunbelt preview and we weren't joking. The Sunbelt East is actually one of the top uh, divisions in the sport. And it wasn't just like some kind of spur-of-the-moment thing that we said and like, oh, we only believed the announcement. We believed every single part of that statement, and it is showing true. It's not just the top guys either. Well, Dominion got the win against Virginia Tech last week. Georgia Southern is getting unexpected wins against Nebraska. Like, they are this conference, this division, man. This division's insane. The Sun Belt became the first FBS conference since the FBS and FCS split in 1978 to have three teams win a game in one day as underdogs of 15 or more points. Hmm. Georgia Southern, Marshall, App State. That's ridiculous. That's historic. That's unheard of. That goes to show you this right now. The Sun Belt isn't, it's not what it used to be. The conference USA, you guys look like a bunch of idiots for disrespecting the Sunbelt in recent years. Just straight up, this conference is far and away so much better than you. I love a lot of the players and programs in the conference USA, but the Sunbelt <laughs> Sun is step above. I think the Sun Belt above.
3: I think the Sunbelt surpasses the new American too. Once it's those big programs leave, absolutely. Because you look at those conferences, you know, went for TV markets, big cities, you know, like airports, kind of, and the sunbelt went in on regional rivals, good football programs with with great support in their area. And you have so many built-in rivalries there. You have the ones up north, um, you know, north for the Sun Belt, <laughs> like Marshall and, and James Madison and Old Dominion are all so close together, App State right there. And uh, you have the the ones down in the, more in the Delta area, Troy, South Alabama, Louisiana. And it's just a great conference that uh, every, you know, those are small programs, smaller stadiums, but they're. Uh, How many times do we see a headline like uh, Old Dominion set season ticket uh, sales records this off season? There were multiple different Sunbelt programs that set uh, season ticket, uh, you know, sales records for their school and just so much support and a really exciting time. And uh, you know, the transfer portal makes these uh, programs interesting. They can kind of, you know, bring in talent from the P five level and compete uh, with them. So South Alabama going up to central Michigan and, uh, kicking the crap out of those guys so uh just a great uh banner weekend for uh the fun belt best yeah. conference
1: like <laughs> james madison who would have mm. thought that they were gonna come in here and have two blowouts out when their offense is firing on all cylinders uh in our preview show i said this is a team that could surprise a lot of people get six seven wins that that i was that looks like a guarantee now those yeah. guys could flat out play, and tails playing a whole lot better at quarterback than I could have ever envisioned. And that we already their
3: two best players from last season transferred out. Uh, Wells, as you mentioned, uh, at South Carolina, and I uh, the Texas linebacker I just had a he went to Texas. What is yeah? It? I just, I, just had I, a,
1: I can't I can't remember his name, but also Chris Thornton, receiver, D. one of the best receivers in, right, in, in group year. of five. Chris Thornton is stellar. Uh, he's, he's been crushing it at JMU this season and yeah, we already touched on that state. I got, I I got to talk about Marshall real quick. Nobody gave them a shot in this game aside from a handful of people. Uh, I, I, I I don't know. I don't know why. What else? Uh, It doesn't make sense to me because if you look at this makeup of the team that Charles Huff has built, you see a team that's elite in the trenches. They could control the rock on offense, even without Rasheen Ali. Henry Columbia, all he needed to do was play competent. He's doing that. They have two NFL, you know, cornerbacks. And Stephen Gilmore, who's Stephon's brother. And then Micah Abraham, who's the son of Donnie Abraham, who had 38 career interceptions in the NFL. The bloodlines are there. They have two elite NFL cornerbacks playing. I I told Notre Dame, don't throw the ball their way. He threw the ball their way. One guy in the interception in the first half, the other – ripped your heart out with the pick six that end of the game good job notre dame very very impressed by you very proud of you thank goodness he has lost to marshall charles huff is that dude please let him stay at marshall for a long time he could build something insane the Sun Belts elite uh i gotta talk about the fcs real quick for two minutes we we,
3: had, we did it's all mad. that all that on the Sun Belt, and we didn't even mention the most fun g5 program in the last couple of years uh the shots are clears uh mccall escaped
1: the gardener webb Un- this week which was weird Un- but
3: yeah sunbelt uh, catch their games
1: please do and then just to talk about the fcs real quick incarnate work easy w a lead offense against nevada you had um why can't i think why can't i think this isn't great for me why can't i think <laughs> who are the other wins i ruined them. Down. Why am I not just looking at that? Oh, Holy yeah. Holy Cross, the Hail Mary. Yeah, there's State. an easy pun there against Buffalo. Weber uh, State. Yes, Weber State already talked about that, too. Destroyed Utah State. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Um, I mean, yeah, they're they're absolutely crushing it. And I am definitely forgetting about the other one. Oh my, this is not, a, we've been on this podcast for too long. I can't think. I actually can't think there was incarnate word. There was Weber state. There was, Oh, I'm sorry. Someone else talked for a second.
2: You're the FCS guy.
1: I know. And I, I can't <laughs> think right now. Guy. I can't think. I got to look at guy. our graphic. We made. There's just too much to happen. I can't think this is, this is not good for Liam. Hold on. <laughs> Eastern Kentucky over bowling green. Why couldn't I think of that one? I don't know why I couldn't think of that one. So two-point shootout. Yeah, that actually makes it 16 technical upset wins that there's been in this year thus far, too. I'm so sorry I forgot about that. The FCS is killing it. Sorry for my brain not working. It happens at times. Let's go to overreaction. Um, We'll start with you, Jake.
0: Um one big overreaction that I think that a lot of people are having is. Jimbo Fisher being out and pump the brakes on that. As I said before, give Jimbo another year because 2022 is never going to be the year that the, that the Texas A&M Aggies were going to take that step up to be that CFP contender or anything like that. That That's next year. Um, And I think that that's been the plan now when we got this recruiting class. You have to let things marinate a little bit. So pump the brakes a little bit on that before we start calculating buyouts and stuff like that. Um, and second of all, Marcus Freeman, this is not an overreaction in my opinion. Marcus Freeman's in a very bad spot. Um, you're a head coach that wasn't interim that was brought back for another year. And your players like you. But what you have on the field is not good. And your quarterback play, absolutely atrocious. And at some point the buck is going to have to stop with somebody and it has to be the head coach and Marcus Freeman might be in a very bad spot going forward. And Notre Dame's schedule this year is not entirely favorable for really clawing back. Oh. I mean, you, your hardest game left this season. You still got to play SC. And I, I forget, is that game in LA or is that in, um, or is that in South Bend? Is it going to matter? Uh, somewhat. That game I, I... is in L.A. Oh yeah, that'll be the that'll be the biggest atmosphere at the Coliseum <laughs> since the days of Pete Carroll. That might, will. They be, might
2: be undefeated too, so.
0: The, the, it it would be very difficult for me to see USC losing a game the rest of the season. That that's yeah. what I'll say, but yeah, Marcus Freeman, very mm-hmm. bad spot.
1: Notre Dame's defense looks good. The offense, we talked about a ms offense. It's on par with that. Like it's it's prehistoric. It's bad.
2: Yeah, I will say, as far as Jimbo goes, um, I don't think he's not going to be out this year. That's never going to happen. But, um, they, they're spending a lot of money. You got to win some games because Texas Texas is on the way. And I know the last thing Texas A&M warrants is for Texas to move back into the sec and for them to be second fiddle again. Mm-hmm. So, and they're 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 If you're not winning games and they know Texas and Oklahoma are on the way, he, he he's going to be gone sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. Next year has to be the year.
2: Yes. I agree. Um, I guess I'll go next. my, Overreaction or not, nah, I, I want to know what you guys think. Alabama is the third best team in the country. Is that an overreaction? I just... Yes. Think, I think Georgia and Ohio State are both better just based off their weapons.
3: I want to see a little more from Ohio State's defense.
1: I, yeah, I'm in way and sea mode, but I'm kind of inclined to almost agree with Adam here if we're basing it off of a two-week sample. Uh, what Alabama just showed on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, Texas made the improvements necessary on defense, but still, though, Alabama's offense should not only be scoring 20 against Texas. That really shouldn't be happening. They struggled offensively. They were stagnant. They're receiving room we addressed. There are definitely things that they need to figure out. Georgia looks by far the best team in the country. Ohio State's weapons are better than the uh than Alabama's. Their their defense is improved too. Like it's
2: yeah, See, it's I, tough it, to say I man. think because Ohio State's offense is. You know they have so many weapons, right? And you have Georgia's defense. I feel like Alabama, like they're they're great. They're they're still a great team, right? They're great on both sides, but they don't have.
1: They have the edge rushers.
2: Yeah, they have the mm-hmm. edge rushers, have, but their secondary. I mean, they were getting exposed.
1: Need yeah. Eli Ricks. Receivers,
2: like... <laughs> receivers were wide open, um, for the most part. Texas really didn't struggle to move the ball at all.
1: Yeah, neither Eli Ricks, the get yeah, a starting job there yeah
0: but the, the only reason I say that that is an overreaction is purely because Nick Saban is still the head coach and I think Texas poked the bear this week they woke I think Nick Saban really got a wake-up call and Nick Saban coach teams don't crumble they just don't and things like this only make them stronger and Nick Saban loves
3: nothing more than winning, but not playing that great.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and he and honestly, I mean, he he really does thrive in these kind of pressure situations because he is a coach that just does not lose when it comes to these sort of situations. I mean, it is it is such a miracle when teams pull off a game like that. And that's what I was talking about before. It's so hard to be Alabama with a backup quarterback. I mean, it is it is so hard to do it. And y'all came very close, but I, I still think that Alabama is the second best team in the country. But I do think that Ohio State is right there.
3: The one thing I do like about that take, uh, Adam, is if you look at the work of Alabama in the Bryce Young, you know, these last you know fifteen games last year and the two this year uh, against you know, not the Utah States of the world, but against the SEC and the the peers like Texas and things, they, uh, that offense has been good, but that's not to a Mac Jones, you know, Death Star offense. Um, you look at the the first 53 minutes of the Auburn game last year, and they were, they were very beatable. Again, they should have lost. Yeah. yeah, um, That and the, you know, the middle, the second and third quarters of the, of the Georgia game, the SEC championship game, that was unreal. I, that, those 30 minutes of Bryce Young were unbelievable, but there have been some flaws in the, in the exhaust shaft of the Death Star. Uh, the offensive line isn't what it was, you know, four or five years ago. And the receivers aren't what they were two or three years ago. So, um, you, I think you're me into it. You all told me into it. Okay.
2: Right, and my other one was: Can J.J. McCarthy win the Big Ten with Michigan? Do you think that he is good enough? Can Can Michigan score with Ohio State? No, No. I think
1: he's. I think he's country. He's country miles better than Kay, and I'm glad that Harbaugh experimented this to let it play out and see, yeah, JJ's got to be my QB one. Now I think Harbaugh deserves a lot more praise for this decision. I know he got a lot of laughter and everything, but he made the right call. JJ's the guy. Michigan's going to be so good still, but I State's number two or three in the country, man. They're like, they're in that elite, elite, elite tier. Yeah.
2: Those are my two.
3: Okay, two um, overreactions for me. One is no more no more offensive geniuses as head coaches uh, and giving them, long, <laughs> giving them long leashes. If I'm hiring... Oh, uh, we have one of those. I those. mean, yeah,
1: look, you have...
3: Giving them long leashes, right? If you're hiring a Malzan or a, a Holgerson or a Drinkwitz or a Jimbo Fisher or a Neil Brown and they're going to call their own plays, you get one year to do it. You get one year. If it doesn't work out, you said you go to the side, Sorry, you're hiring an offensive coordinator. Now you need an AD who's a, a gangster enough to make them do that. But um I'm sorry, but you know, it looks like it's it's working for start. The offense was really solid. So uh if it works, it works. You got one year to prove it to me, and then uh no, you're you're the head coach.
1: Also throw Satterfield into that round because he is uh again. What I've said for so long, Louisville's last two or three years, their playbook—you could, you could write up on a napkin and still have the other half of the napkin that's blank. It's it's four plays and that's it, and it's expanded to like six or eight plays now. Congrats, Louisville, you've got something <laughs> crazy going on. Build up one can, whole you know, napkin. Can we? Yeah, like can we talk about? Uh, we won't talk about. It. There's other things to do, but Louisville's offensive talent, the guys that they have, should not be able to only score, what was it, 14 points on their first six quarters. That's unacceptable, and it falls on their coaching.
3: Uh, Dino Baber strikes and gutters up there in Syracuse. They look to be uh, having a revitalized year because guess what? They went and got a really good offensive coordinator, Robert and I from Virginia. So you get one year if you're an offensive genius. Tell
1: and me Look we'll at Virginia's offense right now. <laughs> three points against <laughs> Illinois, firing Yikes. on all
0: cylinders. Yikes. By the way, the transfer reporter loves Sean Tucker. We
3: appreciate Sean Tucker. And then my other uh, hot take or reaction is West Virginia is the worst team in the big 12. Uh, The only thing keeping them afloat right now is uh, JT Daniels. And he has uh, exhibited some tendencies of fragility in his career to be uh, diplomatic to the young man. Um, So if he gets hurt, man, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad in Morgantown. The defense had a, a lot of talent. Uh, exit in the transfer portal Uh, you know they have a few stars to uh, still on defense Uh, stills is a monster up there up front but Mm -hmm. man they just gave up a 50 burger to to Kansas to the Jayhawks hey hey,
2: that happens that happens
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think
3: it's really
1: really funny that you said things are gonna get bad in Morgantown Like it's not already fire there. there. (laughs) It is bad. It's like a scene from SpongeBob when the The town country roads are burning. Yes, this is bad. (laughs) I don't even think it's an overreaction to say that they're the worst team in the Big 12 right now. They just straight up are. And it's funny to think that they should have beat Pitt, but their head coach was too incompetent enough to not realize I've got uh I've got way we've got an inch to pick up on the ground here on fourth down, like. Just play they the still play
3: at virginia tech a road rivalry game uh and then they have one of the tougher schedules in the big in the big 10 the way you know the home and away and all that kind of stuff breaks you know you play everybody there but the way it breaks they have one of the tougher slates so i, I think that gets dicey there
1: yeah it's just it, it, they're in a mess they're they're in a mess uh i'll give you one overreaction if we could even call it that caleb williams is 100 way in the heisman he is yep. In two games, 39 of 49, I'll say from the field, will basketball reference there. That's 79.6%. <laughs> he has thrown six touchdowns, no interceptions, passer rang is 221.1, 590 passing yards, and this doesn't even include his rushing ability. And I'm not even mentioning the fact that Jordan Addison and Mario Williams are his best friends at receiver. Essie's offense is better than any offense Oklahoma has had in Riley's tenure. I will say that, bar none. What this Essie offense is capable of frightens me as a UCLA fan, but excites me as a fan of football. Lincoln Riley is no longer the coward that he had showed to be at Oklahoma. He is figure, he what he is doing at Essie, I know it's only two games, but that offense is so ridiculous, it's not even fine to think about – what. Caleb lands the Heisman. Like I've seen enough. The Stetson Bennett <laughs> talk last week ended real quick. This no. is <laughs> this is Caleb Williams' award to lose. I won't hear otherwise.
2: I think it's between Caleb and CJ. I think Caleb has the if if they go into Utah and they stomp them out, then I think it's over.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like he well, same thing goes for CJ though. If he goes into mission, if he goes, uh. You know, in Columbus this year against Michigan, absolutely obliterates that Michigan defense, which is pretty talented. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it really could go either way.
1: I would argue the Heisman voters that we don't like to really recognize would much rather vote the SC quarterback to win it if both of them are on an even level. They Do they stay to... up
3: late enough to watch the games?
1: No, but they they wake up early enough to check a box score <laughs> no, on November 29th. So and
0: they see that SC logo there too, and that yep. you know.
1: Hey, I I look. Caleb Williams has put all the tools together too. He had some stuff that he needed to figure out. He's figured it out. Like he is. I don't know. Man, he's in the top three discussion. That's not up for debate. He is. He's the guy, man.
3: That's my guy, Washingtonian, right there.
1: That is not my guy because of where he plays, but one day might be my guy <laughs> when he's in the NFL and I could root for him a lot easier. I'm, I'm rooting for him anyway. That kid is ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. Um man, I we don't have much time left. <laughs> We've kind of run really long here. I know Jake doesn't have much time. So We'll end with this. We'll end with this real quick because we did allude to it earlier. We have to talk about the drunk late-night window, and then we'll be out of here, I promise. What the heck happened? (laughs) It was a full moon.
0: It was a full moon.
1: (laughs) Well, I I, I mean, what happened, I'm not just talking about on field. I'm not just talking about missed field goals. I'm talking about in the stands, in the announcer's booth and everything. all these different venues i mean yeah every byu night game has that segment where they talk about cougar tail the maple bar donut thing for like two minutes this was (laughs) a half hour segment we're watching fans eating maple bars rg3 called it the glizzy of donuts i don't know what was (laughs) happening there was a really elite football game on the field and we were talking about a cougar tail and there's seven byu students in the crowd sharing one cougar tail i don't know what was going on no i I was were
0: tired uh, i will say that was that was some awful play by play and announcing last night during the baylor byu game it just didn't have the life to it that is a top 25 matchup on both sides which included a top 10 team and the game wasn't treated as such it's irritating it,
1: it, it is tough because these late night games do get that kind of you know representative that that's how a game is called and it stinks because i think mark jones and rg3 are an elite commentating duo they are really good but when you have a game like that unfolding right in front of you can we not talk about the donut for 30 minutes
0: i mean there that was, was beautiful really and, and for they- us i mean the but the, the kicking though what the hell was going on last night i i don't know what was the, going on i gotta i gotta, the moon, I gotta say the i've the Fres- never
1: seen the moon more than
0: last night the fresno state <laughs> the fresno state missed extra point might have been the most impressive out of all of them i don't understand how he quite got the ball to go that angle that far off to the right that like i mean he put some velocity on that thing and when you are that close to the goal like, come on, man. No
1: we hey, were all back-to-back-to-back, to back to back too. What gets like, lost in all of this is Mississippi State's kicker missed his first two extra point attempts of the night. Yeah, but yeah. that was at, like, 11.
3: Right? I know. It was still at night, <laughs> though. It, it still kicked things off because we have the Jaden Delora play no, of the I, year. To, did you see that? Oh, my, oh my goodness. That oh, That is yeah, the that kind was... of interception that only happens on, on late night that doesn't happen at 145 (laughs) that's
1: that's why the east coast fans need to stay up and i was was... so glad to see on twitter how many east coast fans who are usually asleep stayed up to watch that bizarre slate it was it's one of those slates that you'll talk about for for weeks man like it it, it, it's like it's like we saw bigfoot out in the wild
0: (laughs) and fresno state oregon state might have been the game of the night i mean out of all out of that entire slate that might have Truly, been the best game. Shout out, out of, all of them.
1: Shout out Jonathan Smith, man. He, yeah. he he he. Look, he might not have known what was happening in Provo and Tucson with the kicking, but he realizes we've got a yard, we've got two yards to go here after this ticky tack pi call. They they're going to go for it. A timeout is called. Sends a field goal. you been timeout is called again. All right, now we're going for it. I think there's another timeout called. All right, we're still going for it. He was gonna kick it to tie it. Quickly Realize we have the jackhammer, Jack Coletto Let's just go get two yards. Jonathan Smith, man. Like uh, <laughs> I I'll I mean I have nothing else say, Like that's a heck of a call.
3: 2 15 a.m. rushing touchdowns with a linebacker. Uh you love to see it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. Also, what the hell was that play call in the Eastern Kentucky Bowling Green game? I mean, that 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 was a special, special trick play that was I don't even know if that was what was written up, to be honest with you. The
3: problem was they ran it to the boundary. You got to run that to the field and let the big man rumble. I mean, come on,
0: if I got to be honest. Yeah.
1: Flip it to the other side. I would love to see the big man just chuck it over his head, no look, and now we've got that no look heave to the other side of the field, a, a running back, or maybe the quarterback is catching that and walking into the end, zone. So that's what I want to see. And it's a copycat league, so I know McVeigh would run that with the Rams the week after. <laughs>
0: Oh, you know he was up watching all those games last night. He probably had his like eight monitors set up scheming for next week. So,
1: can you, you imagine if the Rams are on that Eastern Kentucky trick play?
0: And you never know, man. He's a crazy, crazy man.
3: Wow. Mississippi State, though, props to them. They did what you're supposed to do when you out talent a team, and you know, get an early lead and then just squeeze the life out of them. That defense, oh, they
0: they terrify me. They yeah, terrify really me.
3: They're a top t- top fifteen team for real. Tyrus Wheaton on that defense is a star. Uh, Zach Garnett is one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the sport, I think. And the offense is a three year starting quarterback, Mike Leach offense. They they do their thing, so uh, they're a really good team.
1: Who could throw for seven hundred yards with a blindfold on? Maybe not that far. Maybe only three fifty with the blindfold on, but still. I I hey man, I'll say it. I guess that'll do it for us here. It only took about six hours this podcast. I'm so sorry. Covered it all. Yeah, <laughs> covered it all. Covered pretty much all of it. Um uh aside from when I choked, uh remembering FCS teams, incarnate word, eastern Kentucky, Weaver State, and
2: <laughs> forgot again. You forgot again.
1: Why'd I try that? Holy cross, <laughs> hey, holy cross. golly, holy cross, hail Mary. I I gotta stop that. My brain's not working. It's only working for the FBS today. But yes, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe. Look, if you've watched to this very point and you're not subscribed, then what the heck are you doing? What was the point? Like thanks for the support though. But please subscribe would help us so much. And yeah, we thank you a lot. Can't wait till week three. We've got good week three show coming up. And we'll catch you on the next one. 2007, 2.0